those that hear it, believe it, receive it, and consistently act upon it. In Jesus' name, we pray. And all of God's people real loud said, Amen. Amen. Hey, this is a friendly family. Church, greet somebody, hug their neck, love on them, and then you can be seated. All right, let's go to Mark the 16th chapter and the 15th verse. Mark the 16th chapter and the 15th verse. Mark 16, 15. I'll give you a moment to turn in your Bibles. Mark 16, 15, Jesus said to them, speaking to his disciples, he said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, to every human being. The gospel. Does anybody know what the gospel is? It's, it's the good news of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. It's the good news that because of what Jesus did, if someone will repent, that just means turn from their old lifestyle and away from sin and turn to him and 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 believe on him and trust in him they'll get saved they'll miss hell they'll make heaven and they'll have the power of god the life of god deposited within them so that they can live victorious in the here and the now not only miss hell and make heaven one day but live victorious in the here and the now now that's good news isn't it and, and so he tells his disciples to go into all the world and preach this good news to every person. And uh, this being Mission Sunday today, uh, I want to speak to you about the Great Commission. Now, the, the Great Commission is this scripture right here. Going into all the world and preaching the good news to every person. That is the Great Commission. Now many years ago, a certain missionary, a really a good man, he said to me that this is not only the Great Commission, but it's the only commission. And and at the time when he said that, you know, I, that, that, that seemed right. And certainly he, he was correct in that soul winning is the most important thing that, that we can do. I mean, for God, is that not correct? And, and I had a, another missionary come through here years ago and he made this statement. He said, the main thing, as a Christian, the main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. Did you get that? And what is the main thing? The main thing is winning souls. And certainly, when that missionary, that other missionary told me years ago, he said that going into all the world and preaching the good news to every creature was not only the great commission, but it was the only commission. Well, he, he was right in that it is the most important thing that we can do for the Lord. However, I've come to see that that's not totally correct in that there are other commissions before this one. Actually, to be really effective in the Great Commission, there's two other commissions 
that we have from the Lord that we need to be effective in before we can really be effective in this Great Commission. And that's what I want to talk to you about today, titling this message, The Great Commissions, The Great Commissions, and then what's that next word? Plural. The Great Commissions, plural. Plural, meaning more than one. See, the Great Commission is going into all the world preaching the gospel. But to really be fully effective in that, there's two other commissions that we need to fulfill before we can be ultimately effective, as effective as we should be in the Great Commission. Now, before I get to these other two commissions, turn, if you will, to Acts 1, verse 8. Acts 1, verse 8. Notice this verse here. Acts 1, verse 8. This is right before Jesus, you know, this was after he was raised from the dead, before he ascended back up to the right hand of God the Father. Acts 1, verse 8, he says, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Thank God for the Holy Spirit. Thank God that power is still available today. Now, he says, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Now, this was after they were born again. After they'd been, you know, there's a difference between being born of the Spirit and baptized with the Spirit. You understand that? These people had been born of, of the Spirit. They were born again. And he said, he said, now, he said, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit's come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me. He's talking about spreading the gospel. He says, you'll be witnesses to me where? In Jerusalem and then Judea and then Samaria and then the end of the earth. And so what he's saying here is, is that as a soul winner, you start, you start locally where you are, right? I mean, if, if God can't use you locally, how could he use you in Africa? You understand what I'm saying? And that's what Jesus was saying. Start where you're at, winning souls, and then, you know, and then move out from there and so on. But if you think about it, this is really still part of the Great Commission, isn't it? Is it not? You know, starting locally as a soul winner, just sharing the good news with somebody at work and so on, and then moving out from there. But yet, that's still part of the Great Commission. But how many commissions? Are, are we talking about one here today or more than one? More than one. So the Great Commission is spreading the gospel. But there's two other commissions that we have to be because, see, some people think, well, you know, here we just start locally and then move out sharing Jesus with other people. And that's true. But that's still part of the Great Commission. What I want to get at is what are the... what? See, there's three commissions. There's the Great Commission. But before you can be effective in that, there's two others that you need to be effective in. And let's talk about those. The first one is this. It's the personal commission. Real loud, say personal commission. Personal. One more time, say personal commission. Before you can be effective in the Great Commission, whether it's winning souls locally or abroad, you know, before you can really be as effective as you need to be in, in, in that Great Commission, you first must be effective in a personal commission. A personal commission. Now let me explain this a little bit. Let's go to Mark 8.36. Mark 8.36 Jesus makes the statement and he says this, Mark 8, 36, what will it profit a man or, or a woman, a boy or a girl, what will it profit a person if they gain the whole world and lose their own soul? 
So in other words, he's saying, what profit is it? What profit would it really be to you or me if, if, if we won the whole world to Jesus, yet we ourselves wound up lost? Did you get that? Now I realize he, he's probably talking here about, you know, what good is it if we became a multi-billionaire and, 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 and died and go to hell? You know, I mean, all those, that money wouldn't do us any good. Is that correct? Right. Ultimately. But in the context of soul winning, really, what, what profit would it be if we won the whole world to Jesus, but we ourselves wound up lost? See, there, he's talking here about a personal commission. The personal commission is, is, is this, is that God expects you and me to develop ourselves as a Christian. He expects us to develop ourselves as a Christian. Um, notice Mark, uh, I'm sorry, Matthew 6.33. I really want, want you to get a hold of this because this can really change things in in, in, in people's lives. It can change things in a, in, in a church if we all get a hold of this. Matthew 6.33, Jesus says, seek first, what did he say? Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. What as a Christian should we be doing first and foremost? We should first and foremost be doing what? Seeking God and, and his kingdom. Is that right? Would imply developing ourselves. Developing ourselves. I like the way Paul puts it. He probably says it better than I could ever say it. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 9, 27. You'll agree with me that Paul was a, you know, the apostle Paul, he was a fantastic soul winner. He, I mean, everywhere this man went, he won people to Jesus. He, he, I mean, they, they threw him in jail one time for doing something good and, and he, he got the jailer saved. Remember that? And, and, and I mean, everywhere he went, what... I mean, Paul lived for winning souls to Jesus. Every, every, you look at the man, everything he did everywhere he went. Uh, you know, he was going into a certain city one time and before he got in the city, he, he looked at some things outside the city and he, he was thinking of ways he could use the things that he saw to go into the city and win people to Jesus. But the thing you learn about Paul is that he was a great, you know, he, he fulfilled a great commission, but but he which is, you know, winning souls. But he, he first, before that, he fulfilled this personal, real loud say personal commission. commission. The personal commission is developing ourselves as Christians. Notice here in 1 Corinthians 9, 27, here's what Paul said. He said, I, I what? I discipline my body and bring it into subjection. Lest, when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. He's talking here about keeping his body under control, his actions under control. Let's read this in the Amplified Bible because I think this verse in the Amplified brings it out so much better. Look here. He says, but like a boxer, I buffet my body. I buffet my body, handle it roughly, discipline it by hardships and subdue it for fear that after proclaiming to others the what? The gospel and things pertaining to it, I myself should become unfit, not stand the test, 
be unapproved and rejected as a counterfeit. What is he saying here? He's saying that he kept his body under control. He, in other words, let me put it in my own words. He was not only a Christian, but he acted like a Christian. Everywhere that he went. There were times that he didn't want to act like a Christian, but he did. This is, this is, guys, this is part of our personal commission. Before we can be effective in winning souls to Jesus, we first have to have ourselves under control. I like what one person said. He said, it's not really so much about telling people about Jesus, it's showing people Jesus. And you know as well as I do that if you go around a bunch of sinners and you know what I'm talking about and they know you're a Christian but you don't act like one, that's going to ruin your testimony when you do open your mouth to speak, is it not? Is that right? So, so if you don't have yourself under control and, you know, you go around people that aren't saved and they see you fly off the handle, you know what I mean by that? Lose your temper. They see you start kicking something when something doesn't go your way. Or here's, here's something else. You go around them and they start talking bad about somebody and you join right in. Did you hear what I just said? And they start talking bad about somebody. And you know the flesh loves to talk bad about people. Did you know that? If your flesh is like mine, it does. But you see, when we're there in that setting, we need to be thinking about how we can get these people saved. Is that right? And, and, and when it starts up, you know, and, and, and something, you know, did you hear such and such about so-and-so, you know, and you chime in on that and you throw your two cents in, you know what I'm talking about? You've really ruined your testimony. And now when you open your mouth to share Jesus with them, the words you speak, you've disqualified them by your actions. Is that correct? So you see, if you, don't ha- if you don't fulfill the personal commission of disciplining yourself and keeping yourself under control and walking in love and, and being patient, you, you know, you've heard of the fruit of the Spirit, haven't you? You know, really, this is something that I've learned. I, I've been around Christianity and churches and sinners and been around this for a long time. And one thing, and I've learned a lot, and you know what, I got a whole lot more to learn. But one thing that I have learned is people ultimately will be far more affected long-term by the fruit of the Spirit than by the gifts of the Spirit. You know what I mean when I say the gifts? I'm talking about the supernatural move of God. Now that's good and wonderful and I believe in that and I'm, I'm all for that and, and so on and so forth, I'm all for it. But ultimately people, will, do you know, listen to me, sinners, and, and there's a day I wouldn't have believed this, 
But, 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 you know, I've seen it, I've lived it, I've watched it. Sinners will ultimately be more affected by you showing love to them and by you not gossiping when you had the chance to and by you being honest when you had the chance to be dishonest and by you, you know, speaking good things instead of speaking bad things, by you not losing your temper when you really had every right to by you not retaliating when really you had every right to. People will be more affected by that than by you laying hands on somebody and somebody gets their eyesight back. Did you hear what I just said? Now, there was a day I would have thought that, you know, lay hands on somebody and their eyesight pops back and and that's good, that's wonderful. We've we've seen people healed of all kinds of things around here. But what I've learned in, in 18... 25 years, however many, however you want to add it up, 18 years of pastoring and then, then what, what we did before that, I've learned that people, sinners will be far more affected by you acting like a Christian and living right and doing right and keeping yourself disciplined. They'll be more affected by you showing them love and walking in forgiveness. They'll be more affected by that than they will if you raise the dead from the city morgue. Did you hear what I just said? Did you, am I right? Absolutely. I'm exactly right. Now there was a day I wouldn't have believed that. I'd have thought you raised somebody from the dead that you know. Hey, they had all kinds of miracles going on. Jesus had all kinds of miracles going on. And in the very, the very cities where he went in and performed those miracles, most of those people didn't repent. Is that correct? Right. Hey, let's go to Moses' ministry. Did a lot of wonderful, miraculous things happen in Moses' ministry? Right. Did, did they or didn't they? I mean, part in the Red Sea, that's pretty big, isn't it? Huh? You know, water from the rock and all that. But, and, and all that happened. But the, he, he did all those miracles and, 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 and the people are still upset with Moses and they're still talking bad and acting bad. Is that correct? So what are we talking about here? To, to be effective in the Great Commission... There's, there's a commission before that, and it's real loud, say, personal commission. Personal. personal commission. And I'm convinced one reason that Paul was so effective in his soul winning, and he won so many people to the Lord, was because before he set out to fulfill the great commission of winning souls, he had this personal commission down. He disciplined himself. Didn't, didn't the Bible say that? That he disciplined his body. He kept himself under control. He made sure he was walking in love. He made sure he was, was, was saying things that, 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 that his words were, were full of grace and mercy. You understand that? Amen? It's a personal commission. Luke 9.23 says, Jesus says, he says, if anyone desires to come after me, Luke 9.23, let him deny himself, take up his cross, how often? Daily. Daily, and follow me. And, and a cross is for crucifying of the flesh, is keeping your flesh under control. How many of you really, really would like to be a wonderful soul winner for the Lord? So does it start with the Great Commission or does it start with the Personal Commission? Personal Commission. 
Um, here's a good example. Uh, I, uh, this is a real good example. Back in the uh, back in the mid '80s, I'm thinking of one evangelist, televangelist, perhaps had at that time the biggest ministry in the world, televangelism. And 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 he won so many people to the Lord. Now I'm not I'm not knocking him at all. How many of you know we we all can miss it? Is that right? I'm not condoning sin. I'm just saying here's here's a lesson that goes right along with this. Through television and radio and other means, he won multiplied multitudes of people to the Lord. Okay? So you look at that and you say, wow, he's really got this great commission down. But then it came out that he was soliciting prostitutes. Now, did you know that there was a whole lot of people that he won to the Lord that began questioning their Christianity? Did you hear me? And and, and a lot of those people stopped going to church? I mean, there's another side lesson in here that I can throw in. Don't ever put your faith in a man or in a pastor or a television minister, let's keep our faith in Jesus. Because people will ultimately fail us. You understand? If you watch me long enough, I'm gonna, I'll, I'll fail you some way because I'm human. Do you understand that? But the point is, is this man was fulfilling what we would think is the Great Commission. He's fulfilling it greatly, but he didn't have the personal commission down, did he? And it hurt a lot of people, didn't it? Didn't it? So, to be as effective as we ultimately need to be in soul winning, does it start with the great commission or does it start with the personal commission? Personal. Personal. And is it all about, you know, supernatural moves of healing and this and that? Or is it really more about walking in love and being a forgiving person? And it's more about that, isn't it? Now, do I still believe in a supernatural move of God? Yes. Yes. I'm just saying that, you know, I've watched this love of walking in love and having a Christian that's really real, a real Christian. Have you ever, have you ever uh, had a relationship with a, with a Christian and you thought they were just, you know, really fantastic and then you saw them lose their temper or you saw them talk bad about somebody or you saw them be rude to someone? Didn't it affect you in the, at least a little bit? Now, I'm not saying any of us are perfect. Is anybody perfect in here? I'm not. But you know what I'm talking about, don't you? So it's important that all of us have the personal commission down. Real loud, say personal commission. commission. I'm taking time with this because I want you to get it. Okay? Do you all understand what the personal commission is? It's to be a for real Christian. To be what I call a Christian Christian. I preached a message one day, Christian Christians. You know, a lot of Christians don't act like Christians, do they? So we want to be Christian. You know what I mean by that? We want to be for real. Really walk in love. Really be patient. Really be forgiving. You know, keep your temper under control. And have that personal commission down. And I tell you what, you'll be more effective than in the Great Commission, okay? Now then, guess what? There's one more. 
And guess what that is? It's known as, or I call it, the domestic commission. The domestic commission. The domestic commission. Now, first of all, there's the personal commission that has to do with each and every one of us, you know, dealing with ourself and, and, and keeping our bodies under control and so on, keeping our tongues under control and all of that. But now here's the next one. It's a domestic commission. Acts 16.31. Let's go there. Acts 16.31. Are you getting anything out of this today? Okay. Acts 16.31. Now actually this was when Paul was in prison in Philippi there with Silas. And that, you know, they were singing hymns at midnight and all of that. And, and there was an earthquake and, and, and of course the chains of the prisoners were loosed and so on and so forth. And then that jailer comes in and he says, you know, men, tell me, what must I do to be saved? And notice right here, Acts 16, 31. So they said, this is Paul and Silas responding to this jailer, said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved and your household. And your household. In other words, what he was saying here is, is that this not only applied to the Philippian jailer, but if the members of his household believed on the Lord Jesus Christ with a repentant heart, they'd be saved as well. The point here is that Paul wasn't just putting emphasis on the jailer, he was also putting emphasis on his family. Real loud say family. family. On his family. He was putting emphasis on his family, on his family. What's the domestic commission? It's taking care of your family and being sure that you've done everything that you know to do to be sure that your household is in order. Now, nobody's household is perfect, including mine, okay? You know why my household isn't perfect? Because I live in it. <laughs> I mean, you understand? None of us are perfect. But the domestic commission is, you know, we start where? With ourselves in that personal commission. And then the next thing we do is we be sure, especially as, as husbands and if we're married as husbands and, 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 and our children, if we have children, we need to be sure that we've done everything that we can do to be sure that our household is in order, that our wife is taken care of, that our children are taken care of, that, that they've had the opportunity to hear the gospel and so on. Did, did you hear what I just said? And this applies, and you'll see this is going to apply to parents and children. Uh, go to 1 Timothy 5.8 if you would. 1 Timothy 5.8. Talking about this domestic, domestic, you know, having to do with the household, domestic commission. But if anyone, this is 1 Timothy 5, 8, if anyone does not provide for his own, especially for, uh, for those of his household, he's denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. So what is God really saying here? He's saying that if we went out and won the whole world to Jesus, but our own family, our own immediate family, our own family is left undone, that's not good, is it? That's not good. 
Something else I've watched over the many years, I, I, I've seen a lot of people that, that they really put a lot of emphasis on soul winning and, and even, even preachers and ministers, I've watched this, and they put a lot of emphasis on that and that's good, but when you get back behind the scenes and you see it, their household is, is, is a mess. You know what, I, and I don't mean a mess on the floor, I mean... You know, the, the, their wife hasn't been, you know, their wife's been neglected because they've been so busy out winning souls. How many of you know winning souls is good, but if your wife is neglected, God's not pleased with that? Did you hear what I just said? You know, I've already watched people, they put, you know, emphasis on winning souls and this great commission and it's, it's good, but they've left their children go undone. You know what I mean by that? They have, they, what I, I mean, yeah, their kids had clothes and all that. I'm not talking about that. They're not spending time with their children because they're so busy out here, quote unquote, winning souls. How many of you know winning souls is good, winning souls is important, but God's not pleased with it if, if you haven't spent time with your children like you should and, and invested in them. Can you say amen? amen? What are we talking about? We're talking about the domestic commission did you get what I just said there alright it's very important now go to Colossians 3 verse 18 just a few more things here before I close Colossians 3 verse 18 in the Amplified Bible these verses pretty well hit everybody they hit husbands, wives and children Colossians 3.18, we're talking about the domestic commission. First is the personal commission, and then the domestic commission, and then the great commission. Let's look at this verse, these verses of scriptures here in Colossians 3.18, Amplified Bible, talking about the domestic commission. Wives, now, now he picks on wives first, but then he goes to husband and then to children. But wives, be subject to your husbands. This is in the Amplified. Wives, be subject to your husbands, subordinate and adapt yourselves to them as is right and fitting and your proper duty in the Lord. So that's part of the wife's domestic commission. For a lady who is married to be effective in the great commission, they must first deal with themselves personally discipline themselves and then the, and that's the personal then the domestic what is he saying here he's saying be subject to your husbands subordinate and adapt yourselves to them as is right and fitting and your proper duty in the Lord now we move to husbands husbands love your wives be affectionate sympathetic with them do not be harsh or bitter or resentful toward them. That pretty well sums it up, doesn't it? I feel impressed to go over that again. Husbands, love your wives. Be affectionate. Well, show them affection. Be sure your wife is more important to you than the big game on Saturday. Boy, it's so quiet in here, you could hear a rat lick butter, as the one preacher said. That's pretty quiet, isn't it? 
hearing a rat lick butter. Husbands, love your wives. Be affect. Real loud, say affectionate. 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 That means show them affection. Pay attention to them. How many of you know we men ought to pay more attention to our wives than we do the remote control of the television? Is that right? Is that right? Boy, is it quiet in here. How many of you know we ought to spend more time looking looking at our wife than we do the television set? Huh? Nothing wrong with watching the big game. Nothing wrong with enjoying all that. But we ought to spend more time on our wife than on a football. Is that right? Or the golf or tennis or bowling or whatever your deal is. Or hunting or whatever. We better read this. Let's, let's read it. <laughs> Husband, let's read this together, guys. Husbands, love your wives, be affectionate, sympathetic with them. Do not be harsh or bitter or resentful toward them. Okay? We're talking about the domestic. Let's move back and pick on the wives. Let's go back to verse 18 because I'm an equal opportunity picker on her. Wives, be subject to your husbands. Now that does not mean, ladies, that you have to be a doormat for him. That's not what that means. You stand by by his side as his helper, okay? And, and if he's doing what he's supposed to be doing, loving you, you should have no problem being submissive to him. Did you hear what I just said? Fellas, that doesn't mean that you've been given a dictatorial role in your marriage, because you haven't been. You've been given the responsibility of leadership. Did you hear what I just, just said? And so, men, you have the responsibility of leadership, and ladies... You know, and men, you have the, the responsibility to love your wives as Christ loved the church. That's some pretty that's pretty big love there, isn't it? So if you're loving her and being affectionate toward her and considering her and all of that, then she should have no problem being submissive to you. And that just simply means yielding to a final decision that you might have to make. You know, with my wife and I, I can't really remember one time where I had to pop my hand on the table and say it's going to be my way. I might have acted like that unbecomingly here or there, but ultimately in anything we've ever ultimately done, we've always talked it out. And there's only been a couple of times where I had to, uh, the man gets to break the tie. You know what I mean? If there's a tie on something. But, but you see, I've learned that being a husband is not about being a dictatorial, you know, boom, my way or the highway. That's not what God has, has put us in to do, fellas. My way or the highway. Did you hear me? We're there to be affectionate, to, be, to, to love our wives and to be leaders and, and, and listen to them and talk to them and see what their opinion is on something before a final decision is made. And I'd say 99 times out of 100, if you'll do that, the decision is apparent and you don't even have to use your role as the leader. The, the decision and the way to go will be evident before you you'd ever get there. Do you understand what I'm saying? So if a man loves his wife... A woman honors her husband, okay? And then notice verse 20. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this is pleasing to the Lord. So 
And there's another verse and another, I think it's in Ephesians, it says, children, obey your parents in the Lord. So, you know, obviously, now listen, obviously here, because a wife will say, if my husband asked me to do something out of line with the word of God, should I do it? No, because we ought to obey God rather than man. Is that right? So if a, if a parent asked a child to do something that was out of line with the word of God, that would be the only instance where the child wouldn't want to obey the parent because you obey God rather than man. Is that right? But we're talking about good, godly, Christian parents and they say you're going to be in by 10 o'clock or 9 o'clock or whatever it is. Guess what, little one? You better be in by 9 or 10 or whatever time they say. Is that right? What did God say? Obey your parents in the Lord. Is that right? Did you hear me? Okay, and so so this is part of a of a, a young person's uh, domestic commission, obeying their parents and be and that's pleasing to the Lord. And then notice verse twenty one, fathers, and, and this would certainly apply to mothers too. Do not provoke or irritate or fret your children. Do not be hard on them or harass them. And what this is talking about is being overly hard. You know, you, you need to put challenges out there for your children and you need to one thing I've learned is is that if you don't have high expectations for somebody that people are only going to live up to the expectations that you have for them but your expectations can be unreasonable and they shouldn't be say amen so so have reasonable expectations for your children don't be too hard on them and you know one of the worst things you can do for your children is being too easy on them did you hear what I just said so there's a balance. Don't be too hard on them. Don't be too easy. You know, seek God and he'll show you what you need to do. But this is talking about not provoking or irritating your children. Don't be too hard on them, you know, or harass them. Lest they become discouraged. Now watch this. Lest they become discouraged and sullen and, and uh, morose and feel inferior and frustrated. Do not break their spirit. See, so what good is it if you're winning the whole world to Jesus, but you've broken the spirit of your child? Did you get anything out of this today? Okay, so how many commissions are there? Three. All right, what's the first one? Personal. What's the second one? Domestic. What's the third one? The Great Commission. So let me finish by my, read my notes. Once the personal and domestic commissions are fulfilled, then you are ready to fulfill what is known as the Great Commission and reach out to the community and to the world. I trust this was a blessing to you today. Stand with me if you would. Praise God. Well, with heads bowed and eyes closed, I don't need the music today. That's fine. Thanks, guys. Heads bowed and eyes closed. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this opportunity that I've been given to share this word with your people. And I just trust that this word will sink down deep into each and every one of our spirits and that we'll 